Welcome to the first extrasode of Where There's Smoke. Just like always, we explore self-development through the lens of current events, sports, and pop culture. Only in this case, we do it in a little less time. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. We anticipate releasing these extrasodes from time to time when inspiration hits. In this case, it was a chance to expand and perhaps clarify on our recent visualization episode. If you haven't heard that episode, it's episode five entitled You Already Know the End of the Movie, and you may want to give it a listen, perhaps before this one or after. Your call. Last week, we received an email from a listener in New Jersey. Santosh is a grad student at Stevens Institute of Technology, and he wanted to share some very kind words about the show, which he did, specifically, awesome, funny, motivating, encouraging, and fantastic. He also had some comments on our visualization episode. He wrote, you talked about visualizing and how an optimistic approach changes everything, but there lies a problem when you are over-optimistic. He went on to share a New York Times article on the subject entitled The Problem with Positive Thinking, written by Gabriel Otingen, professor of psychology at New York University. It's a great article, and I think it's important to mention right up front that I agree with both Santosh and the article he shared. That said, I can see how we failed to highlight it in the show effectively, and I think it's important. So Santosh, thanks for raising the point, and let's tackle this. Being optimistic and visualizing the positive outcome you want is definitely a part of the equation, but just being positive on its own isn't always the answer. I mean, those violinists on the Titanic could keep it positive, but it wouldn't keep them afloat. All right, boys, like the captain said, nice and cheery so there's no panic. Wedding dance. As the title suggests, the article isn't saying that positive thinking doesn't work, just that there's a problem with it. And the problem is it doesn't work as effectively on its own as it does in partnership with something else. You know, not that dissimilar from, say, salt without Peppa. Or Pinky without the brain. Gee, brain, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the so what is that something else? Well, before we get there, let's talk a little about some of the dangers of positive thinking all on its own. Otingen and her partner, Heather Capps, shared their initial findings in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. Their study showed that not only does positive visualization on its own not help, but it can actually hinder people from achieving their goals. You may recall in episode 5 we discussed how the mind thinks in pictures and in some ways doesn't know the difference between what is imagined and what's real. You either see a curved yellow fruit or a monkey eating a banana. You do not see the letters B-A-N-A-N-A. Though, you might see Gwen Stefani singing them. When we imagine having reached the goal, our minds can be tricked into thinking it's already happened. While seeing this positive outcome can calm you, it can also drain you of the energy that you need to take action. David DeSilvo wrote about this for Forbes magazine, stating, Instead of mustering more energy to get there, we inadvertently trigger a relaxation response that mimics how we would feel if we actually reached the goal. Our mind basically kicks back and relaxes. <sighs> this reminded me of another study conducted by Peter Golwitzer that suggests that when you tell someone your goals, they're less likely to happen. A few years ago, Derek Sivers did a TED Talk on this very research. But... When you tell someone your goal and they acknowledge it, psychologists have found that it's called a social reality. The mind is kind of tricked into feeling that it's already done. 
And then, because you've felt that satisfaction, you're less motivated to do the actual hard work necessary. Now, this one I know. I've seen it, right? Someone posts something on Facebook like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, or I've decided I'm quitting my job and starting my own business, or I'm going to run a marathon, and everybody starts congratulating you. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You're awesome. Right on, man. Inspiring. You rock. <laughs> but here's the thing. You haven't done jack. You haven't lost a pound. You haven't put in your notice. You haven't run a block but you are getting all of the same psychological benefits as if you had. Now to clarify, Goalwitzer's research is talking specifically about identity goals, goals linked to who you want to be and how you want to be seen by others. There's even a name for this phenomenon. It's called the self-completion theory. So does this mean we should not tell anyone our goals? Or going back to the initial point that we shouldn't think positively? Well, no. So let me give you some solutions for both. Hey, first, positive thinking. As we said, it needs a partner. And Otigen suggests that partner is realism. You don't just imagine the goal coming true. You also imagine the obstacles you might face along the way. This way, you are not so emotionally derailed if things don't go well, and you're also much better prepared. This was actually suggested in the initial episode through the Michael Phelps clip, but I certainly feel it could be hammered home. He will see it exactly the perfect race. And he will see it like he's sitting in the stands, and he'll see it like he's in the water. And then he will go through scenarios, what if things don't go well? You know, if my suit ripped or if my goggles broke, you know, what would I do? Don't just see smooth sailing to the end result. Also see potential obstacles and setbacks and prepare yourself for them. As for sharing your goals, well, there is certainly as much research that suggests sharing your goals increases your chances of achieving them as there is that it decreases it. Robert Cialdini said in his book, Influence, the more public a stand, the more reluctant we will be to change it. I certainly know that for me, once I tell someone I will do something, my ego does not want the embarrassment of not following through. So perhaps you heed the advice of Melanie Tenenbaum, who wrote a great article in Scientific American around sharing resolutions on social media. She suggested a key to combating the self-completion theory is in how you think about those posts. If you think of posting, I am going to run a marathon as a statement of progress, you're likely to bask in everyone's praise. However, if you think of it as an act of commitment, then other people's words will add accountability and they will actually push you. As I said, there are certainly varied theories on all this. My role here is to give you the information and let you decide how you want to apply it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Where There's Smoke is written and hosted by me, Brett Gaida, and produced and edited by Nick Jaworski. Our theme song is by Des McKinney with additional music by Kevin McLeod. To see show notes, which include links to the articles and the clips mentioned in this episode, go to wherethere'ssmoke.co. And if you dig the show, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and take a couple minutes to rate and review it. It really, really helps get the word out. With that, we will see you on Tuesday for another full episode of Where There's Smoke. We love you. You're awesome. Keep on keeping on. <laughs>